So we finished up last week and we brought ourselves to the middle of the tribulation period and we answered a couple of questions. One of them was about the mark of the beast. And the things that we clarified is, it's okay, it happens in the middle of the tribulation period. There's a lot of things that happen before we get there. The description of that is a loyalty to a false religion, a false god, an antichrist, things that go against God. And for a lot of Christians that have, oh, man, I don't want to accidentally take this. We need to explain, you can't accidentally lose your salvation, first of all, because you've got to understand what God says about that. And the other thing is, you're not going to accidentally do anything because of the fact is, it is a loyalty or a decision that's being made in the middle of that. The other question that we kind of got into, we talked about, can someone be saved during the tribulation period? These are things that we're reading as we're going through, and the answer was yes. The question was asked, does the Bible reference only Jews being saved? Let me give you a verse as we, we ha- had that question come up at the end. And it says in Revelation 7, 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man can number. And that's talking about those that were on the earth and that pass and now in heaven. All nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands. And um, this is the description of those that were on the earth that had passed on during the tribulation period. But the Bible is very clear All nations, all people, all tongues, all nationalities. And so that we know that it is more than just Jews. So so can people be saved? Yes. Things to keep in mind. The great deception that happens during that time. The lack of the working of the Spirit of God like it is now. Because God works through the the preaching in the church. Uh, Remember that also there's extreme opposition. They're beheading Christians for following Jesus Christ. I mean, there's a lot that goes on. And so yes, people can be saved. Uh, but the likelihood of it is very unlikely. And so um, in the middle of it, we ended and we kind of paused when we got to seal number seven. So we're at the mid-tribulation period. So the Antichrist rises up. The Antichrist dies. The Antichrist comes back to life. Now they view him as a god. They're viewing him differently than what they were before. Um, this is now the false religion, the great deception. He, he's demanding the loyalty of people. You must take the mark of the beast. You must take all these things that are going on. And so we get into the second part, and it, it talks about the great tribulation period. In seal number seven, there was silence in heaven. And the Bible talks about that there was a, that for the, about the space of a half hour. And then we roll into the trumpet judgments. Now I want you to see, this is the view from heaven. And so John was brought up, and his view of the tribulation period as a saint of God was viewing this from a heavenly perspective, not from an earthly perspective. That's important to keep in mind as you understand what's going on with Christians and the fact that he was called up from the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And then he said, come up hither and let me show you the things that must come hereafter. And so that gives us a lot of peace also of the view that God's giving us as a Christian perspective. I want you guys to notice as the trumpet judgments happen, how the first five are parallels to almost the uh, plagues in Egypt. Why did God bring the plagues in Egypt? Because they refused. They rejected Christ. Why does God pour out judgment on the earth? Because they refused to reject Christ. What did man worship? They worshiped the things that they built up in their hearts and minds of entertainment and doing their own way and rebellion and sin. Revelation 8, 2. And if you want to follow along in your Bible, you're welcome to do this. Um, Like I said, I'm not going to dwell on this just because uh, the Bible, I'm going to give you the verse and then I'll give you the clearest explanation of what I think this is saying. But I'm not going to go into and say this is this because we don't know. 
And it says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and them were given seven trumpets. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded, and then they followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burnt up, and the green grass was burnt up. So I'm going to bring you through these judgments that God pours out on the earth. Trumpet judgment number one is the third of the earth is burned. Now we saw a lot of heartache, tragedy, famine, death, all those things that transpired in the first half of the tribulation, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. This is hail and fire mingled with blood. Literally, the mingled with blood, a lot of people speculate that's just literally how it attacks the earth. It will be like a worldwide attack that happens on this, and people are dying all over the place. A third of the earth is burned. Animals are dying. Vegetation, uh, people are dying. It's, it's literally destroying the earth, but that's what, that's what sin is. God's judging sin. God's judging the earth that is cursed. Trumpet number two, and a third of the sea life is destroyed. Revelation 8.8, 8, and the second angel sounded, and it was a great mountain burning with fire was cast in the sea, and a third of the mountain or the sea became blood, and a third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Some people speculate this, this great mountain that was thrown into the sea, is that like a meteorite? Is it something like that? The, the Bible describes that, and people have guesstimated what that is. I, I would say by that description, it's probably something like that, something that strikes the earth. And out of that, uh, a third of the animal life in that and, uh, dies. The oceans are hit so hard that it sinks a third of the ships. So you can see everything that man trusted in the economy and resources and stuff are being destroyed one after another. The Bible says in verse 10, And the third angel sounded, and there was, fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and fell upon a third of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And you've got to understand what's going on. This is different than what we read before. It's not the oceans. It says the fountains. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many of the men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now the word Wormwood is talking about poison. The, talk about, it's not talking about the oceans, it's talking about the fresh water. The water system that we rely on on earth becomes poison. And many die probably because they don't know what's poison what's not, because water's not one of those things that you can live behind. Or live without. And so you got to think what's going on with this is people are living fear. Did you guys notice how fearful we were when we didn't have toilet paper? I mean, you're thinking, what are we going to do? I'm, you know, your mind's running ragged. Like, you know, think about not having water. Or think about getting water and you don't know, is that poisoned or not? Is that, is that from the, and, and not being able to go outside and fearful of these things falling from the earth or falling from the heavens? And it said, verse 12, And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, and third part of the waters of the stars, and a third part of them was darkened, and the day shone, not a third part of it, and the night, and the night likewise. Trumpet number four is talking about the darkness that lands on the earth. You, you think about this, and sometimes we don't fully grasp what the Bible is saying. You say a third of the sun was stopped. What does the sun give us? not only gives us light, it gives us heat, warmth, uh, warmth heat that, that of this. So what happens is there's less light and it would get cold. And you think about what's going on is fear, one thing after another, just striking fear to the hearts and the minds of people that are going through this. It's just fear. 
And if you notice, we're just tapping these things on the head because my whole goal was to give you a timeline. What will the end be like with the lost? If we were doing a study, an expository study in Revelation, man, we'd be going really deep. And I will testify and tell you, well, later we're going to revisit a lot of these things because there's just too much good stuff in this not to, to, to revisit things. But I want to go back and I'll explain some of that later. So who would they turn to during this time as the earth gets dark? False gods, false religions, antichrists. There's no hope. Guys, even, and I know we joke about the toilet paper, but it's relevant because we thought of that. But even with that, we would say, God, help me. God, I don't know if we're going to have a job. Lord, help me not to get sick, all these different things. But for them, they have nowhere to go. We thought about the fear of killer hornets and dust clouds from Africa. You know what I'm saying? It's like that was, that was kind of scary stuff to see in the news and the things going on. This is one after another, after another, after another. Brings fear, fear of the unknown. And things go to another level and you say, this is bad. Things consistently get worse. Verse 13, and behold, I heard an angel flying through the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by the reason of their voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet the sound. Now, these three last trumpet judgments are also declared or kind of labeled as the woe judgments. You'll hear that. Uh, sometimes when you see them in like a picture form or something, they're described as the woe judgment. Now, you think about, that's something that we understand when we come up to somebody and say, whoa, it literally means like depression, sorrow, warning, whatever. So what is the difference of the woe judgments? The first ones were things that landed in the waters, things that landed on the earth, the vegetation, but now we get serious because these things affect man. This is what happens. Demonic locusts, trumpet number five. When I say demonic, listen. And the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star from heaven unto the earth. And him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there rose a smoke out of the pit as smoke of great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now think about this. You think about them being freaked out because the sun got dark? You think they got freaked out because it got suddenly cold at random? The entire sky gets blackened by this smoke that comes out of the pit. So did you guys know that there are demons that God has reserved in hell to be loose for this very reason? I hope this does give you chills. Jude 1.6, and the angel which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. For what? Unto the judgment of the great day. They're reserved for the judgment of the great day. Second Peter 2.4, for God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And you say hell is judgment. Yes. Hell is judgment, but they are reserved for the day of judgment. Chapter 9, verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and given the power as scorpions of the earth gave power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, so don't hurt the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Verse 5, And to them was given that they should not kill them, because that's what they'd rather have. Can you imagine living at a time that death would be a blessing? 
but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was the torment of scorpions. When it striketh a man, in those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. I, I can't even imagine the spiritual things that are going on this for men to want to die and cannot die. And for these beasts, and guys, we, I, I truly believe that horror movies a lot of times are used in our society to dull the senses of people so that they see that as entertainment and then we read something like this. This is worse than any horror story or any horror movie that's ever been portrayed by Hollywood. Amen. It's terrifying. Trumpet 6 is attack of demonic armies. I can't explain this, so we'll just read it, okay? Verse 17 in, in chapter 9, And I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having the breastplate of fire, and janketh and brimstone, and heads of horses, and the heads of lions, and out of their mouth issued fire of brimstone. It says in verse 18, And these and three uh, was the third part of men killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents that had heads with them that do, uh, do hurt. Now, I don't think any artist could even come up and explain that. I don't think any movie could portray it. I, it's one of those things that literally it crawled out of the pits of hell. We say that phrase, but this is truly it. It crawled out of the pits of hell to reap judgment on the earth. Uh, can I just put a little plug in here? If people say, well, I believe that Christians will go through the tribulation. Do you know what stands against the gates of hell? Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is something that holds back all of this. And God works through the local church. And you say, what happened? It was, there was a gate open and the gates of hell came out and literally tortured man and, and put people in fear. You say, well, Christians are going to live there in this time. Wait a minute. Holy cow. Listen up. The only person that, that literally died for the church to redeem the church died so that we would have victory on this earth to proclaim Jesus Christ. And then we sit there and talk about the defeat of what's going on of the church during this time. There can't be the defeat. God has promised us victory during this time. And so it just doesn't add up about how the fact that somebody was able to gate, open up the gates of hell and prevail on the earth, then what did happen to the church? Th that means that they're losing during this time, that the gates of hell are not prevailing. But I've been given a promise that that cannot happen. Yes. You say, well, what does that mean? It means that we're raptured out of here before this happens. Anyways, I'm not going to preach. Um, and so uh, trumpet number seven begins the seven bowls. This is another transition, Revelation eleven fourteen. And the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we almost stopped during this time, and this woe happens. We're not sure exactly what happens on earth, but I can tell you what happens in heaven. In heaven, all of a sudden, we have this flashback where this, this, this camera turned over the heaven scene, and we see people just praising God. Now, this doesn't make sense, but let me tell you, this very praise of God is, is a little bit here on earth because this is uh, Handel's Messiah. 
They're, they're literally singing Handel's Messiah in heaven. Actually, we sing what they sang in heaven. But anyways, we, we have it kind of reversed. But in verse 16, And the four and twenty elders which sat before the throne on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, for was, uh, thou art was and art come, and thou hast taken thee the great power and has reigned. And this passage that we read in here, uh, especially in verse 15, is the very words that they use in Handel's Messiah. But it's a, it's a, it's a picture in heaven. They're, they're praising God that, of the king and the one that rules and the one that has authority over these things. And you say, why in the world would they do that in heaven during this time? Because of the fact that justice, God is a just God. If you were going to sit, in, in a, and the lost would not understand this concept of what I'm saying whatsoever, but if you were to sit in a courtroom, and there was somebody that did some sort of horrendous crime, and they were let loose, there would be defeat in that. And you'd say, justice was not served because that child molester, or that person that killed somebody, did not get uh, the, what they deserved for that crime. But when something happens and they say, I find him guilty and they were convicted of the crime that they did, there's almost a celebration of justice is served. And I know this is weird to look at, but even in this thing, there is justice being served and God is not doing wrong by pouring judgment on it. God is judging the world of sin. And you say, that is unfair for those that are receiving this. It's only because they held on to their sin and received to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior. That's why the whole Christmas story, for unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why do we call him Savior? Because he's come here to rescue us from the wrath to come. So for people to get so upset saying, I can't believe in a God that would do this. It just blows my mind that we would get to the point where we're not understanding that that God died to save us, to rescue us from this. So this is happening to mankind because they rejected hope and help from God. The bold judgments are the seven last judgments that happen in the book of Revelation. And these are just one thing that happens after another, starting in, in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. And I want you to see something, too, uh, of the, dis- the description of this, of what the visual is of, of a, bold judgment, a bold judgment, is the fact that the angels are standing in heaven. God gives them this command and this wrath in this vial, this bucket, however you want to, is literally being poured over the edge of heaven on earth. And that was another thing that I, I, I pulled out in there, understanding the love of the Father and His children. A heavenly Father does not pour out wrath on His children. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that's, if you're a father, you're sitting there saying, that just grieves me to do that. No, and I'm not, that's not chastening. I'm not talking about correcting. And, and sometimes we get confused with those statements. But bold judgment number one is this. They're painful sores. And it says in uh, chapter 16, verse 1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And I went first and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell noisome, uh, grievous sores upon the men that had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped the image. So the Bible describes this first one, these painful sores, and that's all it says, and we don't even know uh, 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 the description of this, but we know that that's what it is. Bowl number two, the seas are turned into blood, and the second angel poured out a vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of dead man upon every living soul died in the sea. Literally, if you notice now, one by one, everything that, that was left, that a third part, a third part, a third part, now it's just dying off completely, one after another. Bowl number three, the rivers are turned into blood. That's the water source. 
And a third of the angel poured out a vial upon the rivers and the, the fountains of water, and they become his blood. Uh, and that's why we were saying a lot of these, when you see that, you're saying, wow, that, that sounds familiar. If you go back to Egypt, you see what God did with that of the rebellion that, that he was confronting. Bowl number four is scorching heat. And the fourth of the angel poured out his vial upon the sun. The sun was given to scorch men with fire. And men scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Bowl number five is darkness and pain. And the fifth angel poured out his, uh, his vial upon the, uh, the, the seed of the beast. And the kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. I, we, we don't even know. And I, I can say it's almost a prequel of what's to come in hell. Because that's one of the places we talk about the gnashing of teeth and those things that happen. And they blasphemed God of heaven because of their pain and their sores. And they repented not of their deeds. Bowl number six is preparation for the battle of Armageddon. Poured out his vial upon the great Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And so now we prepare for the end. It's literally that last judgment is uh, bringing the end. Bowl judgment number seven is a huge earthquake and hailstones. In verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, and there was great earthquake such as was not since men upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Verse 21, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, and every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague there was exceeding great. Seven years comes to an end. And guys, we sit there and our minds try to understand that. But death, plague, lack of water, death, 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 all those things. When I was in Bible college, our professor was explaining this at some point. He said, do you know what brings death, brings death, brings death? Because of any time there's plagues and those things that happen, they can't bury bodies fast enough. They pile it up. I mean, it's just the world just becomes defiled. Just instantly. We, we've seen that in the past when, you know, when they've had like the, the Spanish flu and things like that. We've got the stories of how they try to bury the dead and stuff like that. Well, this is happening on a massive scale. We find after this in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 is the destruction of the world order, the destruction of the Antichrist. All these things come to an end. The Bible kind of goes into description of that. But the end ends with the second coming of Christ. We, the first coming is not the rapture. The first coming was baby Jesus. That was the birth of Jesus Christ to be the Savior of the world. The second coming of Christ is at the end of tribulation period. The reason why we don't call the rapture another coming of Christ because the Bible says we're caught up to meet him in the air. This time he's actually coming to the earth. Revelation 19, 1 through 16, this description. And I saw the heaven open and behold a white horse. He that sat upon it was called faithful and true. And the righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were the flame of fire, and on his head were the many crowns. And he had name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. I think that's cool in of itself. We sit there and say, I don't know if there's power in what we can say on Sunday to preach the Word of God to somebody that is dark and sin or lost or an agnostic or, you know, atheist or whatever. Literally, the weapon that is used to describe the battle of Armageddon was the word of God. How powerful is that? And armies which were in heaven followed upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us. 
And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it should smite the nations, and should rule over, the, rule over them with a rod of iron, and treadeth upon the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. Again, why are we not there? Because we're with him, and that's the ones that are receiving it, are receiving the wrath of the Almighty God. This is the battle of Armageddon that happens at this. The Bible says in Revelation 19, 19, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war, the final war, and him that sat on the horse and against his army. In verse 20, it says, And the beast was taken, and with the false prophet wrought miracles before them, which he that deceived them, that deceived them with the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped the image, these were both cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, and the sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so, everything comes to an end. The Antichrist, the seven years of tribulation, all the wrath of God upon the earth, all that's over. And Satan is bound for a thousand years. And you say, oh, tell me a little bit about that. I will in just a second. And the reason why I say that is because the millennial reign is for us. So you say, give me the timeline of what's going to happen to the lost at the, at the end. I can't do that because it doesn't fit with them. It doesn't fit in their timeline. It doesn't ours. And the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on that dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set his seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose a little season. After the thousand years, Satan is loosed. And then we get to the scariest part out of all this. You say, wait a minute, that's pretty creepy already, pretty creepy. We come to the final judgment. There's two judgments we could say here, the judgment for Satan and the judgment for man. The judgment for Satan is in verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the final judgment of man, which is called the, white, the, white, the great white throne judgment, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, multiple books, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Interject real fast, what are the books? Once again, if we were doing an expository through this, I'd be breaking all this down, but we're doing a timeline instead. The one is the book of life. When you are saved, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Book is open. Their name is not there. They've not been forgiven of their sins because they never accepted Jesus Christ. One that I've been told that is there because it's referenced in the Bible is the Bible, is the Word of God. Another one is the book of deeds. And it says they were judged every man according to their deeds, the deeds of the unsaved man. If this was a trial, it would be almost a flashback of their life. Some say because of whether they did good or bad was the fact of not being judged according to their good and bad, but the fact that through their life they never accepted Jesus Christ. It would be like any kind of law, you know, an order type of situation. They wouldn't be just condemned. It's a matter of you never, ever accepted me as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says in verse 12, and they were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Those in hell will also stand as well because it says, 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death delivered hell out of the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to works. And then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell is gone, and it is only the lake of fire. Now, one, I've done this in the past, and I'd like to do it again at some point and, and explain what is the difference between hell and the lake of fire. Another thing that comes up with this that we need to get into later is the question of, are there degrees of hell? People ask that question. What does the Bible say about that? Are there degrees of hell? Is there degrees of punishment for those things? I'd love to answer that question. Hell is gone. The lake of fire is here. But let me just end with just a couple of verses of this segment. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. it says, And they shall also unto them on the left hand depart from me, ye curse, into everlasting fire. You say, man, that's terrible. Listen to the rest. Prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for man. It wasn't prepared for man. It was prepared for sin. It was prepared for judgment. It's, it, it, that's a sad thing. And these shall go away, it says in verse 46, into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You talk about a separation, an eternal separation. That's why I ask, do you know the Lord as your personal Savior? Because Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Today, God will be your hope. God will be your savior. But at this point, you're talking about God being your judge because you rejected. You rejected hope. You rejected salvation. You rejected the cross. And every time God pours out judgment, did you notice how it would say at the end of it? And they still would would not accept Jesus Christ as being the Lord. They still, they still, they still. It's almost as a reminder to us to, to say in the Bible saying they reject God over and over again. This is no joke. And I end this part with this question. Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ?